When you think about the climate crisis and who is disproportionately impacted, um, definitely, you know, people of color, queer people, um, but also people with disabilities, for example, in disaster relief, like if we just think about whose lives are being valued, whose lives do does the government deem worth protecting? Um, and it's definitely not people with disabilities. Hi, everyone. This is Aletta, founder and creative director of Our Climate Voices. Climate Change is Personal is our new podcast, where we're listening to people's personal experiences with the climate crisis and learning from their wisdom about how to create a future that is resilient, community-based, and centers the leadership of people on the front lines of the crisis. For those of you who are new to our climate voices, we are a collective led by young, queer and trans folks, BIPOC and disabled people working to humanize the climate crisis, catalyze systemic change, and vision the future that we want to make real. We know that climate change at its core is a social justice issue rather than an individual consumer problem. We also know that the oil and gas industry and other powerful interests have profited off of climate lies for decades and invested in strategies to convince us to fight climate crises as individuals rather than as a collective. Those in power know that we are more powerful together and they are afraid of us acting collectively. So, we mobilize our personal experiences with climate change to hold those who profit from the climate destruction accountable, and we share our collective wisdom about how to embody a resilient, interdependent, and just future. Today, we're here with the thoughtful Alexia Leclerc, a French and Taiwanese 21-year-old community organizer working at the intersection of climate justice and disability justice in Texas. Alexia is passionate about bringing awareness to the disproportionate harm that climate change causes people of color with disabilities, particularly mental disabilities, which are often overlooked even in disability justice spaces. Climate change is personal to Alexia because they have experienced how climate change grief, fear, and anxiety exacerbate disability. Alexia is a fierce advocate for people with disabilities leading in the climate movement and the wisdom that their communities have around effective advocacy. Alexia, thank you for your time today. We can't wait to hear your story. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Alexia. I am 21 years old, and I use she, they pronouns. Um, I am French and Taiwanese, and I grew up in many different places, but I moved to the U.S. when I was eight. Um, and I'm currently a community organizer at Poder, which is a social and environmental justice nonprofit um, in East Austin. And I've kind of been involved with Poder for a couple years now. I was also involved with Youth Climate Strike and Sunrise Movement. As a young person um, living in our current world, um, the climate crisis is definitely something very much real and something that, you know, is in the back of my mind, I think especially um, having family from Taiwan and actually going back there pretty often, there's been an increase in like hurricanes and earthquakes in the past few years. I think the last time I went back, I was there for a month and there was two hurricanes. Um, and it's just definitely something that is real and that is already happening. Um, and that could in the future really, really exacerbate and impact me. The climate crisis is something that's very present, that's, you know, constantly already impacting the island. 
Um, in Taiwan, we've seen like an increase in hurricanes. You know, I've had, you know, family members had to evacuate. Um, and it's just something that, you know, we know is going to get worse in the future. And also the heat has significantly gone up and death by heat is actually something very common, um, especially in elder, older populations. Um, and it's not something that you usually think about that much when you think about the climate crisis, but it's like a very serious concern. And also just like over the years, seeing how polluted it has become, just like from the creek that was behind my grandparents' house, or just like looking at urban decay is pretty bad where my family's from. When you think about the climate crisis and who is disproportionately impacted, um, definitely, you know, people of color, queer people, um, but also people with disabilities. For example, in disaster relief, like if we just think about whose lives are being valued, whose lives do does the government deem worth protecting? Um, and it's definitely not people with disabilities. I think one of the core ways in which they're related for me is comes down to capitalism, because when you think about capitalism at its crux, it's like, you know, a system where you're trying to accumulate wealth through the exploitation of land and labor. And there's a very both racialized and there's a hierarchy within um, this global system of who is considered normal and who is criminalized. And disability is definitely criminalized. It's seen as behavior that's threatening and that's non-normal. And capitalism kind of sees um, people with disabilities as disposable and capitalism at the same time also, you know, causes the climate crisis through its continuous exploitation of land. And so when you really dig down to what is the systemic root of like some of these issues that we see, like climate justice and disability justice are very much intersectional and cannot be seen as separate. Capitalism is a system that, you know, causes the climate crisis because it advocates for the continuous exploitation of the environment to make money. And at the same time, in capitalism, it's a very ableist system because it prioritizes people without disabilities. And it basically dictates what is considered normal behavior and what is considered normal behavior is usually like based on your productiveness in society. Um, and so capitalism doesn't advocate for, you know, everyone um, it advocates for everyone contributing the maximum possible to society at their own detriment of their own personal health. When you think about the climate crisis and who is disproportionately impacted, you know, people with disabilities are one of the groups of people that are left behind, whether that's, you know, in a disaster relief plan. A lot of times people with disabilities aren't included. If you think about, you know, if there's a hurricane, who's going to go where? Are there like transportation systems that are accessible? Um, people who need medication to survive, like where would I get meds if suddenly there is like a natural disaster? The climate crisis is actually causing an increase in mental disabilities. Sometimes it exacerbates already existing uh, mental disabilities and other times like traumatic events like natural disasters or just like, you know, not having a healthy environment surrounding you um, can cause an increase in mental health crisis. 
race has been a very important factor, you know, in both disability justice and the climate movement and just all my experiences. I think personally, especially in the psychiatric institution, I've had a lot of experience that like looking back was definitely extremely racist, just like people's preconceived notion about like my culture or who I am. Um, there's actually an article that was written by my friend Natalie Crystal, who's a black disabled writer. Um, and she talks about the work um, of another author who was talking about how people of color, even those who aren't disabled, can be seen as disabled because they're associated with like disorderly action, which, you know, is both it, it is a way that disability is like criminalized. And I think I've experienced a lot of like people who I enter the space and they have preconceived notions of like what's going through my mind or how I'm going to react and whether that's going to be violent. And then they, as a precautions, you know, inflict violence upon me um, because they think I'm going to be threatening just based on the way that I look. And I think that's, you know, race is always a huge factor in everything um, in the disability space and also in the climate space. Oftentimes, the psychiatric institutions are kind of part of the carceral state. Um, I mean, personally, I've had the experience of like the cops being called on me um, and being forced um, to go somewhere. And that's, you know, a very terrifying experience that many people, um, you know, especially people of color, we've been actually people have been killed just by having someone call 911 on them for being in a mental health crisis. And I think that even though at first to me, it didn't actually seem that my issues with, um, you know, with mental health issues were directly connected to the climate crisis. It wasn't until later that I understood that it's really part of the same issues. Like if you think about, you know, indigenous people protesting for pipelines and the way they're treated by the police um, and, you know, people getting murdered by the police, that's the same system that's causing that, that is also causing um, people with disabilities or people in a mental health crisis to be killed by the cops. I think one of the experiences that I have, you know, had multiple times is um, just sitting in an office and trying to, you know, explain what I'm feeling right now, you know, whether that's with a therapist or with a psychiatrist or whoever, um, and not being listened to and immediately seen as like I am a threat to myself or I'm a threat to like the community, even though I haven't actually said anything um, that is alarming based on like like the, they have different requirements, right? If you know, if you're, if they think you're gonna hurt someone or hurt someone else, that's when they really take action. But they, the way they determine that is very much tied to race, um, and is very much tied to their per perceived idea of like who you are, just based on like how you enter and like them knowing about your background or your disability. Um, and I've definitely seen different treatment between like you know having a white therapist or having a person of color be my therapist, and it's been. It's just really been eye-opening to know how much um, perceived, like a th how much you are perceived as a threat makes in their minds, like really impacts what decision they're going to take next. People with disability aren't believe a lot of times, like it's something that's happened to me and I know have happened to other people. And I think part of this is this idea that if you have a disability, you don't know you're not normal. You don't know as much about what you need and someone else needs to tell you or protect you or decide what is right for you when a lot of times people with disabilities know what they need. 
if someone is in crisis, you know, and as a person of color, they might be perceived as threatening and, you know, might be arrested or might be shot. Like there's, you know, countless cases where people of color have called 911 just because they were going through a mental health crisis and were actually killed. And so that could very much be a situation that would happen in, you know, some type of like climate crisis, like a heat wave or a natural disaster, um, et cetera. And, you know, people with, with disabilities are disproportionately killed by the police, like 50% of, you know, people that have been killed by the police um, do have some type of like neurodivergent case. Some of the things that I've learned about non-physical disability is A, that, you know, it's valid and a lot of times physical and mental disabilities are also tied and people, you know, certain people experience both. Um, And I think I'm glad that like in the most recent years, especially with like younger generations, I've seen a bigger acceptance of like, you know, different things like depression, anxiety. But I think there's still a lot of stigma around other uh, mental disabilities. And I think people oftentimes don't accept it as much as like a real disability. Um, But actually a lot of the issues are similar. So if you think about, for example, disaster relief, like with people with mental disabilities, that might mean like access to medication. And then that might mean like, you know, what is the response? Because obviously that's a very stressful situation that could cause someone to go into crisis. And so what help is available after someone goes into crisis? And then we've also seen that with increase. Um, climate crisis, there's actually increased anxiety around the issue, but also PTSD from these traumatic events or if you've lost family members um, in different climate disasters. And even just, you know, not being able to have access to like clean water or like, you know, food and all these basic rights or, you know, housing and all of that, like can very much lead to, you know, increased mental instability. Some of the things that I wish that non-disabled people knew or did in the climate movement um, include first understanding the intersections between the climate crisis and disability justice, and then including people with disabilities um, in these spaces and in leadership positions and different people because, you know, there's um, such a wide range of disabilities and I can only personally speak on my experiences and I cannot speak for someone else who has a different disability. So including a wide range of people. And then the second thing is to be really mindful of the space that people are creating in the climate movement um, movement area and like not perpetuating harmful environments. This includes like, you know, making content accessible, making events accessible. These are very small things um, that sometimes are forgotten. And then also like with the entire movement, not replicating harmful capitalistic rhetorics of like overworking yourself, um, not valuing mental health. And so I think that's really important to understand how disability justice has to happen within the climate movement space as well. People with disability bring a lot of wisdom to the climate justice movement. I think personally speaking from my experience, you know, just having to deal with everything that I've dealt with, I've learned a lot of skills in terms of like advocating for myself um, and also kind of being forced to like want to create change because, you know, when you face injustices, you're kind of forced into a position where you're like, okay, let me figure out how I can organize. Let me figure out what I can do to change something. People with disabilities like 
know what they need for themselves. And so I think if we're looking to advocate for disability justice in the climate space, we have to have people with disabilities lead that. When I think about a world with climate and disability justice, honestly, it's kind of hard to imagine it. Um, but I think one of the most important things is like, while we make progress to always like continue imagining the possibilities. So I think for me, I see not a global system, but different local community centered systems. Um, so this would look different in Taiwan than, you know, say in the Congo or in the U.S. Um, the forms of governance would look very different and would be based on, you know, either like local indigenous traditions or just community-centered form of governance. Um, but I would definitely see a global world that respects nature and sees us as not separate from nature, but as like stewards of nature and part of nature. Um, and I would see a world that, you know, values people with disabilities and has a community-centered peer system to support people with disabilities. Hello again, this is Kari Slaughter, Director of Design at OCV. Thank you all for listening, and thank you, Alexia, for taking the time to share your experiences with us today. Thank you to Aletta Brady for interviewing Alexia. As usual, I had a great time mastering and scoring this episode, and my life was made a lot easier thanks to editing support from Taylor Medley and Abby Haley. Our beautiful cover art was made by Cindy Santana. As always, a massive thank you to the rest of the OCV team for their consistent and valuable support to our dedicated community. If you want to engage further with OCV, you can find us on Instagram at Our Climate Voices or on our website at www.ourclimatevoices.org. Stay tuned for two more episodes about the intersections of disability justice and the climate crisis in the coming months. See you then.